0: On the line with us is the president of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers in New Zealand, Mark Weaver, who's really opposed to them. G'day,
1: Mark.
2: G'day, how's it going? Very
1: well. Very good indeed, thanks, mate. Now, shock collars. Simon and I never, ever used one, didn't really know about them. We've had a lot of people suggesting that they are, in their mind, kind of almost humane. Before we get on to the issue of the trainer that you're trying to stop coming to New Zealand, which is a fair call, what do you think about shock collars And, and what do your association members feel about them?
2: Um, well, the association members don't like them. Uh, I guess the, the risk with the shock collars is they're very easy to abuse if people you know don't know what they're doing. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're, they're good if you do know what you're doing. But our, our attitude is that punishment training should always be a last resort. And the I guess the challenge with a shock collar is you never know what the dog is thinking when you shock it. So you might be trying to stop a behaviour of... Um, aggressing towards another dog, but if the dog is, is um, concentrating on, some, on something else and you shock it, it may associate the shock with that other thing, which might be a child walking past or someone going past on a skateboard. So I guess from our association members' point of view, there's a very high risk of fallout from that, which you don't get with um, more humane Um, I guess
0: force free methods Mark, some of our callers have said reasonably enough they've tried all sorts of training techniques, you know the encouragement the carrot rather than the stick they've tried everything and nothing works their dogs continue to bark or chase cats etc across the street, they bought these collars they gave their animals the lower dose of a short shock and that bad behaviour is gone now and they very really have to use their shock collars, that seems pretty reasonable to us, would you disagree?
2: Um. I guess my only comment was, people say they've tried all these things. I guess the question is, did they actually understand what they're doing? You know, you're trying to modify the behaviour of a sentient being, something that that can make its own decisions. And a lot of people think that um, reward-based training is just, you know, giving the dog cookies or bits of meat and, and getting it to do what it wants. But it's, it's actually a bit of an art, and um, I guess if you get the timing wrong or you're not consistent enough, and, and humans are terrible at being consistent in all aspects of our lives, let alone our dogs, then you get the dog ends up with mixed signals, and I guess probably people get frustrated that they're not getting the results they want as quick as they want. Mm. And in today's world, everyone wants everything straight away, ideally with the push of a button. Exactly. Look, one of the things,
1: um, a few years ago, my wife and I had a, a very lovable, completely scatterbrained Bichon freeze who was giving us all sorts of problems running into the neighbours uh, next door where there were sheep. And we actually got a professional trainer who came out and did a fantastic job, didn't involve shock collars, and we solved the problem. Now, as a matter of interest, for pet dog trainers in New Zealand, for example, are there courses that you guys go through, or, or how, how do you actually become a quote professional dog trainer?
2: Um, We don't run any courses ourselves, but our members um, undertake various courses. There are some in New Zealand uh, through um, the likes of Massey and other educational institutes. Uh, Some people go overseas, um, or we get um, trainers across here to run courses. It all depends on what people want to specialise in. Unfortunately, the problem we have is anybody can call themselves a, a dog trainer. It's an unregulated industry. So, it really pays to do your research on the person that you're getting into to help you with your dog to make sure they actually know what they're doing.
0: Mark, we had one of our callers previously was a farmer and and he he actually traveled around a lot of other members of the farming community. He was a trainer and stuff and he told us that a lot of farmers, most farmers he encountered have shot collars for their working dogs. Did you are you aware of that? I did, I just wasn't aware of that.
2: Um uh, I understand that may be the case, and I, I certainly know a lot of people use them for in farming and, and for pig dogs and bits and pieces.
0: So he was saying, um, Mark, the reason I raised it he was saying that when you're training a new dog, you know they're working dogs, if they get a scent to actually you know rip into a sheep, for example, if they're a hunterway dog and you know they're, they're starting off their working life, they might take apart a sheep so a shock collar actually prevents real animal harm.
2: well there's a caveat with that. If it works, um, so I guess with the shock collar, it relies on you know maintaining contact with the skin, and I guess if what what has been reported is when dogs are in that sort of aggressive fight or um, or, or chase mode, yeah, they are so amped up that the shock doesn't make much of a difference, um, and it actually makes them worse. It makes them thinking of, of you know I've got to run faster to get the sheep to stop this thing from hurting me, so. Yeah, you can you can train dogs not to to chase sheep like that, and you'd certainly want to do that for your farm dogs. But I think relying on that button in your hand um, and everything going to plan um, is sort of ambulance at the bottom of the cliff stuff, really.
0: Okay, and and one thing I'm mean, just interested in your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, the point was raised and made that a lot of farmers use electric fences to keep stock. Um out of there, you know the food and and the like, how do you feel about electric fences on
2: farms? Um, <laughs> I, I guess I'd prefer they weren't there uh, because it is the same the same treatment and technology. Um, I think the um, the difference is maybe in terms of the voltage and the fact that these shock collars are Pressing on the neck of the dog, uh, the thin, sorry, the skin is quite sensitive there, and there are a lot of nerves around that part of the dog's body. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that shock may actually be amplified for the dogs.
1: Okay. And the last question for me, please. Now, how this all this discussion started on air for us was we got your statement, and we were fascinated by it about this Jeff Gelman seminar in July in Auckland, uh, which you, as a group, I'm sure, are trying to stop. Why do you think that this guy has Reached a point of popularity where he can actually sort of tour the world, giving these seminars.
2: Because he's offering the quick fix,
1: right? Okay, he's
2: saying, "Bring your dog here. I will fix it for you right here, right now." Um, and in response to um, the video that that's you know well one of the one of the many videos of him that's circulating at the moment, you know, his comment was, "I fix this dog in a second with a rolled-up towel." Well, behavior change doesn't work like that all he did is he suppressed the behavior of that dog at that point in time right and and that's a very unreliable uh method of treatment
0: mark you've made your case very well mate thank you so much for chatting with us
1: thanks for your time mark no problems have a great
0: afternoon you too too. bye-bye